The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm Ronald Schmilzer. And, you know, Again, uh, you know, keep saying this in every podcast. Like again, again, probably if you listen to the last ten podcasts, I've been saying the same thing. But it is true. Uh, we listen to all of our AI Today podcast listeners. We've been going strong five years, two hundred seventy plus episodes, and we'll keep going because, you know, we are responding to our listeners, and you are telling us that you want to know more about what people are doing with AI today because you are doing something with AI today, or maybe you're looking to do something with AI very soon and you want to be doing it the right way. That's why people trust our podcast. That's why our podcast is the top two or three of all AI podcasts. The only reason why we're not number one is because Mr. Lex Freeman is just such a good job. He gets people like Elon Musk and his podcast. That's not going to happen with us. And I would like to say, you know what? We don't, we look, hey, Elon Musk, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get on AI today, I will not say, we will not say no. We will say yes to you. And anybody else is a celebrity. But we don't go out seeking those celebrities because that's not really like our thing. It's just not a talk show. This is a, a practical, how do you do AI right? And how do you do things the right way? And so what we've been spending our time on, especially these this last this series that we're in right now, and if you're not subscribed to the AI Today podcast, you should be because you've missed out already on a couple of these episodes in this series, and there are more coming up. Um, we're doing AI the right way and doing it right because companies are getting into trouble, even companies like the ones from Elon Musk. And Elon, you're welcome to respond to us and we'll put some quote of you saying whatever you want to say on this podcast. But that's, again, that's not the purpose. That's not, we are here for you, our listeners, and you want to hear all about the education. So what we're focusing on today, well, Kathleen, we'll get into just a moment here, is continuing on this ethical and responsible AI that is a an adjunct to our training and certification that we've been doing on AI methodology, which is the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology, and our new enhancement, CPMAI plus E, which Kathleen will get into in just a second here. Right. So if you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that we are advocates for doing AI right, which includes following best practices methodologies. We've seen far too many organizations really, you know, fail and have their projects stalled for a number of different reasons. We had an AI failure series where we went into top 10 reasons that we see AI projects fail. And quite frankly, it doesn't need to be this way. Organizations are just doing things ad hoc. They're not following best practices. They're not following a repeatable step-by-step approach. And then they wonder why their projects aren't succeeding. We've also had folks tell us, you know, projects maybe on average take nine to 12 months an AI project. And we were like, oh my gosh, why? You are not following best practices. What happened to your short iterative, you know, sprints? Uh, And I think that too many organizations are really doing waterfall approach to AI and they just don't want to admit it. And (laughs) and so we are like, that's not okay. We also in another uh, podcast episode with KJ, we were talking about Wagile, which is waterfall and agile and take the worst of both. And that's really what organizations are doing. They think that they're agile, but they're actually not. And then you wonder why your AI projects fail. So do best practices. Invest in CPMAI for project success. It's really not that much money. Um, What we found, too, is organizations have said, you know, individuals who are CPMAI certified or organizations have come to us and said, all right, we're really serious about doing AI right. 
So CPMAI helped with that. But now that we understand how to do AI right, and we are doing it right, so thankfully there are organizations that are doing it right, they understand that as AI impacts their organization more, so whether they're in heavily regulated industries or they're multinational organizations or they're, you know, maybe smaller organizations, but are doing things that really impact the decisions impact people's lives in one way or another, whether that's, uh, you know, influencing them in some way, allowing or denying loans, hiring processes, many different areas that it can impact people's lives. They want to make sure that they are doing AI ethically and responsibly. So with that, we said, all right, well, you know, enough people came to us and we said, all right, we're going to enhance our CPMAI certification with this plus E ethics enhancement so that folks can understand really the framework that's needed so that they can actually implement and put into practice these ethical and responsible AI practices. So with that, we'd like to play a little snippet from the CPMAI plus E training and certification. It's important to note this is just a snippet If you have not already done so, we told you to subscribe to AI Today so you can get notified of our future episodes and also listen to previous episodes in this Ethical and Responsible AI series. It's going to really open your eyes, if you have not thought about this before, into different areas that you need to be thinking about, questions that you need to be asking when it comes to building ethical and responsible AI. This is just a snippet, however. So if you do want to get that full training and certification, we encourage you to sign up for CPMAI Plus E. It's really money and time well invested in both yourself and for your organization and project success. I'll link to that in the show notes so you can go to CPMAI Plus E and you can sign up directly on our website. But in today's snippet, we're going to be talking about AI system transparency you know, provide an overview of what it means and also why it's really important, how you need to be thinking about this, questions that you need to be asking so that you understand AI system transparency and you're building it in an ethical and responsible way. So it's important to understand what is AI system transparency. And you need to make sure you're, you know, asking and understanding, how do I know what went into making this AI system so I can trust it? When you're building your framework, it's important to address this. You want to know what models were being built and what data was being used to create those models. And, you know, what data maybe was included and excluded aspects of bias We have talked about, you know, there's bias in data. Also, depending on what data you use, if it's third-party models or internal, you know, data that you have, they can have varying levels of inaccurate data. And so it's important to understand and make sure that you're addressing in your framework, you know, how do I know what went into making this AI system work so that you can trust it or at least have a certain level of confidence when you have everybody use it. So it's important to understand there is conflicting definitions of transparency out there. So there's this idea of interpretability and explainability. People also call this algorithmic transparency. So this really is talking about you know, with the algorithm that you've selected, how transparent is it? And this is a technical issue, and we're going to deal with this later. When we're talking about system transparency, it's really visibility into how the system is built. And that's what we want to focus on in this part of the framework. And this is that systemic transparency. So it's even more important to know what data went into making this model in the first place. And especially if it's not working, you need to know 
you need to make sure that you're thinking about this. So, you know, how, how should it be working? Is it working as expected? And then if not, what can you do to make sure that it is working? And with AI system transparency, it's visibility into all aspects of what went into building an AI system. So users can understand the full context of how an AI system is being built and used, not just really that algorithmic transparency, but really visibility into all aspects of the AI system. Mm -hmm. So we have you know, an interesting example of, of what happens when we don't have uh, transparency. We don't have visibility into the data set. So uh, one of the most popular image data sets for image recognition, object identification, is the ImageNet uh, data set, which has been curated for many years and was the subject of an academic challenge. You know, which uh, computer vision system had the most accuracy in terms of recognizing these images in the data set? And this ImageNet data set was pretty large, consisting of tens of thousands of images that had been labeled or classified by humans. And what you were checking is how accurate were the computer systems to basically recognize those images against what had been recognized by humans. And um, it, it was served as like the basis, honestly, for, for many competitions, you know, between computer vision systems. What was realized uh, sort of later on was that the actual ImageNet data itself has errors in it where the wrong labels have been applied to images. If you think about it, it's one thing for a computer to use computer visions and misapply the label, then you can say, oh, well, the computer got it wrong. It's another thing for the actual data that you're using for training to have the wrong data in the first place. Because you may be like, man, my, my deer identification thing keeps getting it wrong. It keeps thinking that my deer is a magpie. I mean, we're like, the problem might not be your algorithm. Problem might actually be the data. The, the data itself is telling the computer that that deer is a magpie. And that's exactly what happened. Actually, this example of the deer being tagged as a magpie is one of the errors that's in the ImageNet data set. And actually, when people went in to look at the data set, they realized that it has an estimated label error rate of 5.8%. One out of every 20 images in that ImageNet data set was mislabeled. And some examples where a mushroom was labeled as a spoon, a frog was labeled as a cat, a high note, so the audio part was labeled from Ariana Grande, was labeled as a whistle. And if you did not have any transparency, imagine we couldn't actually see this data set. Someone just gave us the model. They gave us the end results. And we see all these errors. We might think that the problem is with us, that we have done something with our algorithm. There's something wrong with the with the way we built it or trained it. And we're like, ah, well, we have this error, right? We may not have ever known that the problem was in the source data. So what we needed here was transparency. Without the ability to actually see the training data set, we would never have known that the problems were there. And this is the reason why when you're building your own AI systems and you're giving access to other people, we need transparency because without transparency, we can't have trust. No one will trust your model if they can't know for sure that there's not a problem with either the data or the way you've selected it or the data labels or your configuration or something like that. So with AI systemic transparency, there's four main elements that we want to address in our framework. The first is AI system transparency. So AI systems should provide visibility into the data and components of the system with their configuration that it used to generate results. And human decisions on the operation, versioning, development, and use of the AI system should be disclosed and open. So we want to have visibility into the data. And if we're not sharing that, why are we not sharing that? And, you know, 
where do and how do we have humans in the loop? And then bias measurement and mitigation. AI systems should provide a means to constantly measure bias of various sources and provide means to mitigate any bias detected. We need to understand that there will be bias in our data, but what are we doing to mitigate that bias? Also, open systems. AI systems as a whole should use open source technology with the mechanism by which the systems operate visible to all. So, I mean, open source, obviously, many people can work on this. There's many contributors. And you have open access to what is going on and what is being used and how things were built. So uh, open systems do help with that level of transparency. And then disclosure and consent. So organizations should disclose when AI systems are being used and when humans are interacting with AI systems. So, you know, are we using an AI system for a chatbot or at a call center? We want to disclose that. Are we, you know, humans interacting with AI systems or AI systems used in general? And then also AI systems should provide a means for humans to consent out of interaction with AI systems being included in AI models or otherwise being impacted by the AI system. So if a human decides that they do not want an AI system to make a decision on their behalf, if you have a hiring system, for example, maybe the human wants to opt out of the algorithm and that bot being their first you know, decision point, and they'd rather have a human do it. You need to figure out and address how you will be doing that. And that's where you are building that out in this section of the framework. So as we mentioned, you know, having visibility into the whole system helps us with trust because we can see basically the things that the AI system used to build the model, the underlying training data. We may even disclose how we selected the data. Say, okay, here's all the training data, but we only selected some of it. Or here's how we cleaned that data. Here's how we augmented that data. Here are the things that we did to transform that data. Any configurations we made on the algorithms. Let's say this is how we configured our algorithm. This is the algorithm selection we used. Any of the parameter settings that we were hyperparameter configurations as well. Maybe we can say, here's how we decided which algorithm to use. Some algorithms are more transparent than others algorithmically. Some of them have better performance than others. Some of them have different trade-offs. And if we ensemble them, let's say we combine multiple models together, we could say, well, here's how we're doing. We take, you know, 13 models, we ensemble them together and we pick the best seven responses out of them. Okay, that's important to know in the approach that we use. Any other decision factors that we made as humans to decide how we set up the system, the more that we disclose those things, the more that we're transparent about those things, the more that people may have more faith or trust in the system. Like, okay, I see the data, I see how they selected it. And if things go wrong, people might understand like, oh, well, the reason why things went wrong is maybe because of the underlying data or maybe what they selected. Maybe they should have selected more of this and less of that. Who knows, right? The second part to this transparency is talking a little about the way that the system is designed to say, here's how the model may be used in the conjunction of other things that are not a model. You know, maybe we have a model, maybe we're using some other rules in the system. You know, uh, the way that we're operating the model, maybe the model's used in the cloud or maybe the model's used on the phone. You know, the, the, the personal data that we're using, you can maybe disclose that we're not using any of your personal data or we're only using your personal data, say, on the phone, but we're not sending it to the cloud, whatever, whatever we're discussing there. You know, 
know, we may even talk a little bit about the model training method. We may say, hey, the models are trained every week or every day or once a month or, or they're only trained once and they're, they're never trained again until something happens, right? Or perhaps some process by which we select the model use or the, or the, the, the data that we're using or any, any measures that we're taking to identify risks. Like, for example, what is our uh, desired rate of accuracy? Do we accept the results if it's only 99% accurate? Do you accept them if it's 90? Do we accept if it's like 60, right? You know, these are decisions you can make. You can make any decision you want. The point of transparency is communicating those decisions, telling people what it is and saying, oh, we use this data. We use this selection. We use this, this algorithm. We use this criteria. We use this performance level. We use this, these parameter configurations, this versioning approach. The more you tell people the more confident they will be. Of course, people don't want to tell everybody everything because sometimes, as we saw earlier in our presentation, transparency comes at a trade-off with security. The more you tell people, honestly, the less secure you'll be because people can find all the opportunities to take advantage of your vulnerabilities and they know all the things you're doing, right? So there's always a trade-off between between, uh, transparency and openness versus security. That actually was the actual bullet earlier on. So, uh, you know, we there are impacts to this. Uh, there actually is an executive order that's still in place, even from the previous administration, that's that requires uh, certain transparency measures to be in place. And of course, what we're finding is that people are lacking significantly here. They're largely unfulfilled. They're past the deadlines. You know, it's, it's hard to say what the real penalties are, but I think it's it's because people don't really know how to be really particularly transparent. And they, they see this as like extra work or maybe introducing vulnerabilities. So when you're building your ethical and responsible AI framework, again, you just need to address these concerns. The answers might be, no, we will not share these things, but you can even communicate that. There's nothing wrong with communicating to your audience to say, we will not share the training data with you. We will not share the selection methods with you. You can commu- Communicating that in and of itself is valuable if that's the decision you want to make. But then you're setting up uh, this this uh, interaction with your customers that then they, they shouldn't expect that, right? So the questions you need to answer is, will you provide visibility into training data? If so, how and what, what restrictions? What methods will you use and how will you document and share methods of data selection? You know, any of the decision parameters you've made, what approaches will you use to provide greater visibility into the various decisions that you make and the design, design considerations? Maybe some things are worth sharing to say we're using a neural net or, you know, we, we are only using neural nets that provide 95% accuracy. And here's what happens if they don't. The more you do, the more transparent you make it, the more trust you give in your, in, in your uh, solution. The less you give, the less trust you have. So it's, a, it's about how much trust do you want? Given that this is all about trustworthy AI and ethical and responsible AI, we encourage you to do as much as you can in terms of disclosure that will give people the confidence level that, that you would like them to have without sacrificing any other consideration you might have. So we talked about using open AI technologies when you can, because that inherently provides some transparency. Open source algorithms, uh, you know, and share source code, avoiding uh, proprietary technology that impacts the functionality of the AI system. So basically, if you can use open source AI technologies and you feel confident doing that, then that does provide some transparency because there's a you know, a lot of people who are working on this, the code is visible, 
people you hire may know how it works, uh, especially if they've worked on that open source technology. And they'll know, you know, all of the benefits and, and the good things about it, but they'll also know its faults. And another positive thing is that other people can add and modify to this code. And so over time, it continues to get worked on and it continues to improve and value gets added to this overall. And also another benefit is that major issues and issues in general can just get fixed. They're more, it's more, you know, obviously it's open. So it's easier to address these issues. A large group can work on this and then they can get fixed. So open source is highly relevant in AI, even from commercial vendors. And again, if you have the opportunity to do this, then it just helps provide transparency. So while we're working on the framework, there's questions that you want to make sure that you're asking. Will you require the use of open source technology for critical AI components? How will you manage the lack of visibility into proprietary AI technology? So make sure that you're addressing that. Will you participate in open source communities that support critical AI systems? If you decide you'd like to use that technology, how and you know how often and how much will you participate and help support that? How will you disclose the use of open source technologies to provide greater trust in AI systems? And what requirements will you have for third-party vendors and suppliers if they use open source AI technology? So questions that you want to make sure you're addressing in this part of the framework. There's a lot of open source in AI. I mean, we have that chart on the right. There's a ton of open source, whether it's Python or R or, you know, Keras and TensorFlow and Scikit. I mean, there's just so much open source. You know, as we said, even the commercial vendors are building on top of it. So you have a lot of choice here. You're not, you're not sort of in this world of, oh, open source gives me something worse. Actually, it's the opposite. Usually the commercial proprietary solutions are often not as good as the open source just because there's so many people, so many AI researchers, so many machine learning folks, so many data scientists are using those platforms. So you have reason to be confident in that. And the same thing can be said for the open AI data, even that we just talked about earlier, how some of these open data sets have problems in them. They're not error free, but there are already lots of open source AI data sources. You can find data sets that are just the data sets that may be labeled or not labeled that you can use to train your own models. You can build your own models, but you can also even find models that have already been trained, already been trained using particular uh, neural net frameworks or other, other frameworks. You know, they're what's called pre-trained models. We go over this in our CPMAI certification. As you know, this is something where we say, well, one of the, one of the practices for rapid iteration for AI models might be the use of third-party models. Even if they're not perfect, they can help accelerate your process and help answer the question as to whether or not the AI system will even provide value value in the way that you think it works, right? So there's hundreds of, probably thousands of models out there now, hundreds of open source training data sets. We provide a link here if you're interested. There's like the model zoo that's out there. There's Hugging Face, which has got what's called transformer-based models, you know, that can do things like generate text and do image classification. Honestly, a large percentage of, of the problems that you're trying to solve, NLP issues, conversational models, image classification, document classification, there's already models built for it. They may not be trained in your specific data, but you can actually take these things. Hugging Face, for example, will allow you to sort of what's called fine-tune, you know, take the model that they already built and then retrain, kind of retrain it just for the specific segment that you're interested in. Very quick, right? 
you know, why would we use other people's data and other people's models? Well, one, because a lot of other people are using that data for the same reason why you'd use you know, Python or any other open source technology, because other people are using it. So people can feel more confident to say that's not some weird black box model that only you've built with only your data. So they have to trust you and your data. They can not have to trust you as much because, well, that well, they could trust you more by not having to only trust you. They could trust, well, everybody else is using this model and you can go use this model too. And you can download it tomorrow and you can test it yourself. So even if you don't believe us, go to Hugging Face, whatever, download them, you or Model Zoo, wherever, or here's the data set that we use that we train. Go down, check out that data set. Look at it, look at it. See, is it does it does it represent what you want it to represent? And the other thing about these open AI data sources, just like open technology, there are people constantly improving it, fixing it, adding to it, inspecting it. So it's not just the data scientists and machine learning engineers from your organization who may not be looking at the data very frequently and maybe aren't really motivated to spend a lot of time. You could have hundreds of thousands of other people looking at these data sets. So there's value to it. And again, this helps provide more transparency. The more that you can say, oh, this is not just our own data, we're using this person's data, that then gives that extra bit of transparency, which provides trust. So if you're thinking about this, you might ask yourself in your framework, how will you use open data sets for your AI models? How will we document the use of them? How will we disclose them? How will we tell our internal parties that we're doing them? If we're using third-party models, how are we using those third-party models? How will we contribute or participate to make those open source data models even better or pre-trained models better. Even if I've configured it for a very particular internal use that I don't want to share, I might have some data that I can share that might make the overall model better. These are things that we can ask. And when you're building your framework, if you answer these questions, again, you'll give your audience more faith and confidence in what you build. And at the end of the day, that's what we want. So obviously, the more you know about what goes into an AI system, the more you can trust it. That doesn't make the AI system any better. You might know, see bad data going into it, but actually that helps because if you know that the AI system is not performing well and you could see the data, then you can make that connection. You could say, oh, well, the reason why it's not doing so well on the satellite imagery data is because the satellite imagery data is terrible or, or whatever it is, right? You can make that connection. But the less you know about a system, the less you can trust it because you don't know what goes into it. And the funny thing is I was thinking about this, this reminds me of a long time ago when you would buy food or packaged food, it just had the name of the food on it and you didn't know what the ingredients were. And it's kind of funny because now we're like, why would you ever buy packaged food? Of course, you know, when you go to farmer's market that doesn't have the ingredients because you could see what it is, right? An egg is an egg, I guess, right? But would you buy some uh, breakfast bar or nutrition bar if it just says breakfast bar and you turn around no ingredients, no nutrition. Oh, that takes an awful lot of trust, right? You better be like, well, I've eaten this bar before and I haven't died. And, you know, everybody else, I mean, and it, that's what, it, this is where people get confused about with transparency. Cause we say AI system transparency. They're like, you mean algorithmic explainability? We're like, no, that's the, first of all, it's another podcast. We'll talk about that later, which is can the algorithm explain how it came to a decision, but that's not transparency. Even if you say you're using an algorithm that can't give you that, you could still say what all the ingredients are. I'm not telling you how I made this breakfast bar. I didn't say, well, first we took the ingredients, we mashed it up, and we, we cooked it. And we did it. That's not what the ingredients are. The ingredients are what goes into it, because that's what people want to know. And the funny thing is we don't have an ingredient list for AI. Here is a machine learning model on facial recognition. What are the ingredients? Don't know, can't say. 
Uh, here is a machine learning model on making a decision on loans. What went into it? Can't tell you. Oh boy, you need an awful lot of trust, right? You need an awful lot of trust. And that is really the big point here. And this is why we're so confused as to why people don't see the importance of transparency. That I think in the future, hopefully, we've learned our lesson now that you wouldn't go to a store and buy anything that doesn't have ingredients listed on it. Hopefully in the future, no one's going to buy a machine learning model or an AI system that does any sort of important anything without transparency. And if you want to do it right, you will listen to us and get ahead of it and not be smacked when someone sues you because of some death or injury or some legal liability or they lost some money or emotional, whatever it is, because you didn't tell them what went into it. And if you had, then they may have made a decision not to have used your thing in the first place because they don't like the amount of sodium in your thing or the fact that you used some animal ingredient they don't like, because that's what people do. They look at the ingredients for that sort of stuff. So anyway, it's a little bit of a post rant rant, but uh, uh, it is important to pay attention to, to this. This is not one of those yawner things like transparency yawn. It's like, well, okay, it's important. Yeah. And you know, it, it's really important. All of these need to be paid attention to, because if you are, you know, missing one of those ingredients, it can really alter the way that food tastes. And it's going to alter the way that you are approaching your ethical and responsible AI with your framework too. I mean, you can be missing some incredibly important ingredients. And while you may have good intentions, if you are not looking at this as a whole, then you will miss something that's incredibly important. The point of this, I mean, one is, you know, to do things ethically, responsibly, have trust, let people, uh, you know, feel good and confident using these systems. But also, you do not want to be on the wrong side of the news. We, I think, as a society are just quick to be pointing out these errors and flaws and really showcasing that. We don't showcase and highlight the wins where companies, it's like, wow, look at them. They really built this ethically. And it's like, no, it just performs the way it should. So make sure that you're doing that, you know, kind of behind the scenes and just continuing to do things the way they should so that you're not in the news. If you have not done so already, we encourage you to subscribe to AI Today so that you can get notified of all future episodes that we have. Uh, we have a lot more on this topic of ethical and responsible AI in the series. All of it is incredibly important. They bring up different areas that you know you should be thinking about, you should be understanding, making sure that you are really following through with. And we've had a number of uh, podcasts on this as well about why ethical and responsible AI is necessary. We did. We provided an overview of the ethical and responsible AI framework. We talked about AI data, and fairness and bias, data privacy, safety and security issues, and disclosure and consent. So all of these are incredibly important. Hopefully you've learned about AI system transparency, why it's important. Like Ron said, it's not just something that's kind of, oh, nice to know, let's move on. No, really make sure that you're taking all of these ethical considerations into account. So with that, you know, we'd love to hear from our listeners if you've enjoyed this topic and th these podcasts in this series. Reach out to us, let us know, let us know more of what you want to hear of. We're easy to get a hold of. You can go to cognolitica.com. You can also email us at info@cognolitica.com. That's C O G N I L Y-T-I-C-A.com. And we love to get five-star reviews from our podcast listeners. We also love when you write reviews on different podcast platforms. We do look at them. We want to make sure that what we're saying really resonates with our podcast audience. We thank all of you for listening to this podcast um, and you know have been supporting us for the past five years now, which is crazy to believe AI Today has been around for that long. 
we've had a lot to say on AI today in general. And so ethical and responsible AI is just as incredibly important as all the other topics we talk about. So with that, we hope that you really have enjoyed this podcast. We hope that you'll subscribe so you get notified of all the additional podcasts we have on this topic, additional interviews that we have coming up, and then we have some other stuff queued that is going to be also incredibly awesome. Uh, but I don't want to give too much away to make sure that you come back and keep listening. So with that, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group. And make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyrighted by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.